I'm Kim Carson. And I'm Peter Klein. And this is We Had No Idea. Episode two of a general history podcast as we go through history and not the most in-depth, just the, the basic things you need to know about stuff that we had no idea about. Things we knew happened, but we didn't know the exact specifics of what happened. Right. A general history podcast, some might right. call it. Yes. I'm so excited. This is our second episode. We yeah. made it. I feel like big leagues over here. Right. Yes. We haven't fired each other yet. <laughs> With all of our... We had, I don't mean to brag, double digit downloads on our first episode. <laughs> I mean, I was expecting five. Five right. downloads. You, me, your mom, my sister, and some poor sucker that just Googled the wrong thing. Yeah. Yeah. Someone who was looking for a different podcast and, oh, this one, sure. Accidentally, automatically yeah. downloaded. Yeah. I think I'm, there's a, I think there's a Peter Klein who's like a philosopher and they like stumble upon it that way. There's a Kim Carson country singer. Oh, really? Yeah. Pretty wicked, eh? Oh, yeah. Good for you. Good for you? <laughs> yes, it is good for me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. To anyone who listened to the first one, uh, who is listening to this one now, thank you so much. We really appreciate the reviews that we got. Mm -hmm. we, we had some five-star reviews. That's awesome. And we're just really happy to be doing this. Yeah. So keep leaving the reviews. Uh, written reviews also help out quite a bit when kind of boosting up the algorithms a little bit. So algorithms. if you could... Right. Yes. So yeah, leave a written review. If you have any thoughts on subjects you want to hear or anything like that, you can send us an email. To we had no idea podcast at gmail.com. You can tell which one of us runs the email. <laughs> it's uh, our cats. Right. So today we are going to be talking about something drastically different than our first episode. Yeah, I'm going to say this one's going to be a bit more fun. <laughs> yeah, a little week. bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, as far as I know from the research we did, I mean, there was probably normal daily rate of deaths around the world when this event happened, um, but nobody specifically died because of this event. So a much lighter subject is mm -hmm. fun. Right. That you still were able to incorporate death into in the first three minutes. So. Love it. Great work. <laughs> today's episode is going to be about Y2K. Uh, this is something that we were both alive for, so that's fantastic. This is probably going to be one of our only. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to say that, but this might be one of our only episodes uh, about something that we were both alive for. Well, it's certainly the first one, and <laughs> it, it is definitely. Yeah, it, it's weird to think that like I've lived through history, so I, I'm going to say just because there was like almost a couple thousand years worth of history that happened before I was born, that more history is going to happen and more things that we're going right, to talk right, about right, is going to have happened right. before I was born than afterwards. But you know <laughs> what I'm getting at. Figure that one out. <laughs> <laughs> just small specks of dust, man. But yeah, no, it's exciting to, to talk about something that we're going to be just like, that, that we actually, I actually remember a lot of this stuff happening. But Again, there was a lot in here when we were doing the research. I did not realize the extent of a lot of the, the Y2K situation. No, oh my gosh. I I was turning seven that year. So I was six when Y2K happened. I remember, you know, that night, December 31st, 1999, like it was yesterday. But I remember making a banner. We had that shitty printer paper that was all stuck together like you'd get a thousand sheets at a time and they all were perforated together and they had the little tearaway sides and i like the little dot things on the side yeah 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 okay yeah i would awesome. make little like i don't know origami things out of them anyways not the point but i made this big banner that was like welcome to the new millennium and it stayed up for most of 2000 um 
And I remember I lived on a on an acreage at the time, and from the second floor of the house on a clear night, you could look east and see the towns along the highway, like 30 kilometers away. And sometimes if it was clear, you could see the fireworks going off. So I remember watching for the fireworks and also to see if planes were going to fall out of the sky as if planes were just flying over rural Alberta like crazy in <laughs> 1999 slash 2000, which like, I mean, might explain some things about me, but that's, that's another story yeah, for that's, another time. That's a different <laughs> podcast. Uh, for me, it we always would go to our neighbors for New Year's, and, and so we kept that tradition going. And at the the strike of midnight, we would always, I mean, A, we would, as good, you know, small town Saskatchewan folk, we were watching the CBC coverage of New Year's, which meant watching This Hour Has 22 Minutes and Canadian Air Farce as they counted Bye. down to the uh, to the New Year. While well, the kid, like, the, the parents are upstairs playing some weird illegal board game, and the, the kids were downstairs just, like, dicking around and stuff like that. But then normally when the clock would strike midnight, the, the moms would come downstairs and, like, come for the New Year's kiss, and they would k- chase all the kids around, and it would be like... That is so cute. And, and it, like, uh, we're, we're, I was 10, so it was like, oh, I'm going to get kissed by a lady no ew <laughs> so the, a big chase would ensue and the only thing that was different this time was we all kind of waited like 30 seconds just like that kind of brace and like oh is it no we good still alive no nuclear bombs <laughs> dope all right back to normal so like the, the only effect that i really noticed of y2k was just kind of bracing for 30 seconds after the clock struck midnight is there anything no okay sweet all right back on with our regular lives so that was yeah that, that was the I, I wish i had some grandiose thing but that was the extent of it in in small town saskatchewan back in the year 2000 maybe we should start um with giving some backstory to these elaborate memories that we have <laughs> yes uh in what was y2k so the y2k bug as we'll probably call it was a computer flaw that might have caused problems when dealing with dates beyond December 31st, 1999. So basically when computer programs were being written and being coded in the 1960s throughout the 1980s, the computer engineers that were doing their job only used two digits for the year. So the 19 was left out. So in 1960, it would have just showed up as 60. Engineers shortened the date because data storage in computers was super costly and like computers were the size of a house. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> so that, that's they, they would have to add like it'd have to be like a three bedroom, two and a half bath if they were going to add the four digits instead of the two. Yeah, exactly. And that's something that's tough to wrap your head around now where like it, now it just seems so weird that you did this thing that could completely screw up everything because you were worried about storage. Like I, I have a terabyte thing hooked up to my PlayStation. So it's a little bit easier to figure out now. But back then, it was a massive, massive concern. So the the big issue that a lot of people had was that once 99 turned into the year 2000, this was going to flip over and instead it was just going to flip to double zero, which would mean 1900 and would cause a a massive chain reaction that would screw up the computers and it would screw up the banks and it would screw up planes and everything was going to be just an absolute disaster. And so because of this, in the lead up to Y2K, uh, Americans were stocking up on 
on food and water and because Murica, they were stocking up on guns <laughs> in anticipation of the apocalypse. News reports warned of possible chaos if critical systems failed behind the scenes. There were some who were you know, actually working to, to try to stop this, but a lot of people were fairly certain the world was not going to end at the strike of midnight. For sure. In our research, I found this website, year2000.com. It's a real domain. You can still go and look at it. It was created by, is it, do you think it's Jaeger? Peter de Jaeger? I think so, yeah. Peter de Jaeger and Cliff Kurtzman. Um, they hosted the website to connect internet users, so personal or business, with IT specialists to change their outdated 1960s and onward code to ensure the Y2K bug would not affect them. I'm not making this up. They, <laughs> <laughs> they outsourced IT specialists to make computers, codes in, you know, whoever hired them to change their code from having just the the 99 to it being 1999. This venture affected change on a worldwide basis. It played a substantial role in enabling others to take actions necessary to fix the software and possibly prevent billions of dollars in damages. The thing with, you know, Y2K is that anyone who did something is like, look, we fixed it. Yeah, and exactly. Anyone, like anyone who didn't do anything was like, yeah, we also fixed it. Yes, by not doing anything. <laughs> and we'll get into it as this goes along, how much was spent in trying to fix this problem that may or may not have been a problem. I also, while we were talking, just remembered what I kind of thought was the biggest fallout of uh, the, the, the calendar flipping to the year 2000. This is, uh, again, this is going to seem kind of archaic, but I remember my parents' checks on every check for the the date spot it was like day month and then the year was just oh. 19 space space so i was like well how are they gonna like what are they gonna do you can't just put 19 2000 we're not in whatever year that would be we're not <laughs> the, the 192nd year of this planet so how how are we possibly going to do this obviously it's been worked out since then uh, which is probably why they've started phasing out checks is like look we're just we, we can't deal with that anymore so whoa I, electronics yeah. weren't the problem paper was tainted too yeah exactly yeah th there was no escape <laughs> it was everywhere man right so as this went on people starting to get concerned varying degrees of that what actually happened was essentially nothing uh companies and governments <laughs> did spend a lot of money fixing a problem that ended up not actually happening. Although some would say, as Kim pointed out later, or as Kim pointed out earlier, sorry, <laughs> the fact that the sky didn't fall doesn't mean that there was no Y2K problem. It's just that people were able to, to properly plan for this. And mm -hmm. with that planning came a whole lot of spending. So whatever the result or whatever, you know, people who spent money to fix this and people who didn't spend money to not fix it, um, the cost of fixing the Y2K bug uh, is actually a lot larger than I thought it would be. Mm -hmm. So assessments that we looked up um, have the global spending of Y2K anywhere between $200 billion all the way up to $858 billion spent globally. That's in U.S. dollars, um, which I don't know why. We're, I hate that. I absolutely hate that when something's in U.S. dollars and it's 
global. But anyways, that's neither here nor there. And I obviously didn't convert it before this podcast. <laughs> There's, it's estimated that between 200 billion and 858 billion US dollars was spent worldwide preventing the Y2K bug from, I mean, I feel like everyone's biggest worry was that planes were going to fall out of the sky. That, that seems to be a pretty legitimate worry. And, and as they covered in Family Guy, there was some concern that it would just set off every, every nuclear missile mm. ever, anywhere. And that was going to annihilate the planet, obviously. Basically, way too much money was spent mm. on Y2K. But was it? Well, and that is ultimately something we will never know. Is like, were was there actually going to be a problem? Was there actually going to be uh, a giant Y2K issue? I know a lot of people at the time did not believe that that was going to be the case. A lot of people just kind of figured, okay, it's going to be fine. But still, companies weren't just going to be like, well, whatever, it's probably going to be fine. Spending nearly a trillion dollars on Y2K situations does seem a little bit excessive, especially in the year 2000. Not that now it would make sense, but oh, in the year 2000. Oh, I wonder what that is in today's dollars. Right. The, the inflation would probably be substantial. So yeah. it is it is interesting to, to think about how much was spent by companies on this, just wondering, I, I guess it spent on a problem they didn't even know was going to be a problem. Yeah. It's just, it's crazy to, to wrap your head around that. But companies weren't the only ones who were doing the spending. As individuals were also getting in on it, including a news article, I believe from Florida, where, you know what? It just makes sense that this would be a Florida man. Uh, one guy spent $20,000 on food, drinking water, medical supplies, and a generator to prepare for the related chaos to Y2K happening on New Year's Day. He feared that the Y2K computer bug might bring power shortages or failures to the water system or even government-imposed martial law, which is quite the escalation to go from, you know, the power might go out, we might have some problem with the water, or the purge. It just seems like there's a bit of a to go from, okay, everything is going to shut down or the, the government's going to invade my house. Like It right. just seems like there was a, a large gap that this guy just cleared with $20,000 of spending. Right. I'm guessing also that uh, this article was missing guns in that total. I would I'm, imagine I'm gonna so, I'm going to go ahead and guess he bought some guns as well. I feel pretty confident in that. But I'm, also... I. I feel like he made a good investment because you're right. He basically came up with the idea for the movie The Purge. So mm -hmm. The Purge, if you're listening to this, you owe that man a big fat check. Well, and also, as ridiculous as it is, and do not get me wrong, ridiculous, but <laughs> I'm imagining that food, like he, he wasn't, unless he was a moron, which, hmm, but he's not spending $20,000 on perishable food. Like mm -hmm. you, you would still have that. Yeah. And, it's probably like at least 2% of the world's pollution problem right now is just that dude spent $10,000 <laughs> on bottled water, but you would still have all of that. So I guess not, I mean, storage would be an issue, yeah. but not necessarily the worst investment. Uh, the, the man hours invested in it, maybe not great. As the story said, he logged over a thousand hours on the internet chatting with like-minded survivalists. He also studied the power grid just to see how that was going to, to go about things and, and how that was going to affect things, sorry. And he said, I even have a medical kit equipped for minor surgery. <laughs> so homeboy came correct. For the 
nothing happening, end of the world, Y2K. The crazy thing about this story to me... You can pick one? ...is all of it. Okay. But <laughs> it's the chatting with like-minded survivalists. Right. So it wasn't just one. I think about this all the time. I'll look at our, our, I'll look at our closet and I'm like, you know, I have probably like 10 shirts that I wear regularly and probably five that I don't. And then you have the same. And I'm like, everybody that is is in a similar socioeconomical position as us has all this same stuff. And there's so many people that have so much more than us. It's insane just how much stuff there is. And then you hear about something like Y2K and one man for his him and his family spending $20,000 on food and drinking water and medical supplies. And it wasn't just him. So many people, do like doomsday preppers, mm-hmm. did this. And I just think about the amount of stuff they just had. Right. The amount of, you know, I have a couple freeze-dried meals for, for hikes. Then they last for, I think they have a 30-year guarantee. So this man could still be eating that food. How long before you go grocery shopping again? Never. Right? Like... At some point, it would I be die in the bunker. At some point, you you would like to eat something fresh and some like not. I I don't know what astronaut food you had accessible in 1999, <laughs> but at like for a while, just to justify what you did, it's like nope, no, nope, we're we're having canned beans for the 900th straight day. Like you'd have to stick with it for a while to justify spending half a year's salary for some people on all of this stuff. Like you, you'd have to be committed to the bit is what I'm getting at. Maybe. Well, he's probably not still living in the bunker. I assume he also had a bunker, but I feel like for a while he was just telling his kids to like go practice minor surgery on a banana or something. <laughs> like they had to use the kit and they had, well, I guess they wouldn't have had bananas cause those, those would go bad. That'd well, be bad prepping. I'm not a survivalist, obviously no, really bad at it. <laughs> So government officials were also trying to make sure everyone kind of didn't spend $20,000 in food and drinking water. So uh, a few tried to to go out and actually prove a point of how safe everything was. Because one of the things you keep pointing to is that all the planes were going to fall out of the sky as soon as the clock struck midnight. So to show everyone that that was not the case, there was a Y2K expert in Bill Clinton's... uh, group i guess who is entourage yes exactly who i was gonna say cabinet but i don't know if there's a, a cabinet <laughs> position for dude who hops on planes when they might fall in his club right his his associates Ooh. he had an associate who flew on december 31st 1999 to prove to the public that there was nothing to worry about or that he was bill clinton's furthest friend and <laughs> mr Diager also decided to go flying on this day to show he was confident in the work that had been done by his website. Look, I was really worried about the planes, okay? So I think that them flying on that day, I mean, I was six years old. They didn't have anything to prove to me, but I think that that does prove a point. It probably did. I'm I'm making jokes, but (laughs) at the time, it probably did. And even if you're 95% confident normally Mm -hmm. on a plane, like I'm 99% confident on a plane, when you're going on to those, it has to be down to at least like 90 or 85. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, like I'm, we're probably right, but <laughs> I'm just going to make sure that I packed a parachute just in case. I just, just thinking about it though, you know, I understand that if, if it was 99 and then the onboard computer system in the plane flipped to double zeros mm-hmm. and maybe the plane would think it was 1900, but I'm like, would the plane be like, oh, 
I didn't exist in 1900, so I guess I better <laughs> fall out of the sky. Like, was that... Wait, were planes invented in 1900? Fuck. I have, I have no idea. <laughs> we had no idea. Right, brothers? Where are you at? So, anyways, other people that were on planes... Well, most of Australia's entire embassy staff from Russia, um, they flew prior to January 1st, 2000, because Australia is actually one of the countries that invested millions of dollars into preparing for the Y2K bug, whereas Russia, where they were pulling their embassy staff from, invested nearly none. Communist-run Cuba said the world's fears over the millennium bug were probably part of a capitalist conspiracy to boost spending on computers, and as we have learned, also boost spending via doomsday preppers. Right, yes. Also... (laughs) Credit to Cuba for being one of the first to blame everything on capitalism. Yeah, you that, go Cuba. Just a just a quick shout out. Also, uh, bonus: we had no idea. Interlude: uh, the first flights oh, yeah. were 1903. Right. So okay, so it could have happened. It would have switched double zeros, and the plane would have been like. I wasn't born yet. I better mm-hmm. go. And just looking at the picture, I don't think the onboard computer in 1903 was all that sophisticated. <laughs> it's like a so, paper mache. Yeah. Like rulers it and is, then a bucket. <laughs> it is everything you see from old pictures and stuff like that. So yeah, the onboard computer, probably not much of a factor. So you would hope that there would be some form of AI that's like, well, this is stupid, which probably just the year 2000. Maybe we're giving computers too much credit. But again, no planes fell out of the sky. So Y2K to planes is what midnight is to Cinderella's carriage. That might be a bit of a stretch, but I I, I, I at least Turn like where you're trying in. to go. Yes. No, I, I, I've seen Cinderella. <laughs> the IT specialists or the mice. <laughs> <laughs> so a number of companies also invested in Y2K situations. General Motors spent $626 million. Exxon Corp spent... $250 million. Procter & Gamble spent about $90 million, again, trying to figure out if this was actually a problem or not. Yes. And we've talked for a little while about how Y2K was a conspiracy theory. It wasn't a real thing. Well, question mm-hmm. mark. But there was a couple Y2K glitches that happened. Um, an Oregon statewide year 2000 project office that relied on an electronic device to stamp January 1st, 2000. It actually stamped December 32nd, 1999. Uh, the glitch also delayed processing of food stamps and other benefits for one day. There was a video store in upstate New York that tried to charge a customer $91,250 <laughs> after computers showed that he, the rented movie was being returned 100 years late. Which, I mean, look, maybe it was. We're, we're assuming this is a joke. <laughs> But maybe that guy got one of the first videos ever made at this store that was clearly around for 100 years. So who's to say? Who's to also, say? I like that that Oregon place went with the, the same joke that everyone made about the, the year 2020. It's just going to be December 32nd, yeah. 2020 <laughs> because of the, the awful year that we just lived through. Okay, meme makers, the Oregon statewide office also needs a big fat check because they came up with that meme first. Right. So we found out who were the first to blame everything on capitalism. and <laughs> The purge. Yes, the, the purge. Well, we're discovering a lot in this episode. Also, websites for, at the time, Vice President Al Gore's campaign and U.S. Naval Observatory, the nation's timekeeper, showed the year as 19,100. <laughs> so not ideal. And then this one 
had the potential to be kind of serious. At the Oak Ridge Nuclear Weapons Plant in Tennessee, Y2K disrupted a computer that tracks weight and type of nuclear material. Plant operations were unaffected, but the bug infested a computer at Oak Ridge National Laboratories <laughs> Y12 nuclear plant. It did not affect operations or workers, but again, there was at least some form of an issue at a nuclear weapons plant. So to recap, <laughs> homie in Florida took the time to develop how to do surgery on a banana, but you guys who have nuclear weapons we're like, ah, it'll probably be fine. We only track nuclear material. What could possibly go wrong with that? Look, it was 50-50. Those are good odds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There was a couple data banks in Venice and Naples, Italy, that listed prisoners due to be released January 10th as having completed their terms January 10th, 1900. And I absolutely love this one. Eight, eight, not yes. seven, not nine, eight, computerized traffic lights failed in Jamaica. You know that was someone who just didn't take it seriously and just went, screw it. Like, they, they had a number of people on different sections of the lights, and then going back <laughs> through it after, it's like, hey, uh, Mitch, did you did you take care of your, your traffic lights with the, the Y2K thing? Oh, yeah, totally. Totally took care of that. It's like, really? Because, <laughs> like, everyone else's traffic lights worked, and yours had the issue. Like, yeah. Ah, yeah, he absolutely was just like, yeah, fuck okay. it. My theory is that Mitch was a drag racer <laughs> and just eight lights in a row. He was like, no, 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 no. We're going to yeah, have we're gonna roll with this. Yeah, in the new millennium. <laughs> <laughs> but can't rule it out. Can't rule that out. No, this is all spec. I mean, this is all speculation. <laughs> um, so no, we're actually reporting <laughs> a guy in charge of traffic lights in Jamaica. Jamaica named yes. I was like, no, I no, don't want to. No, he, he lives his life one quarter mile at a time. So if Y2K happened, we would have missed out on, obviously, a number of things, including podcasts. But in the year 2000, specifically, we would have missed out on uh, a number of different things, including the state of Vermont passing HB 847, legalizing civil unions of same-sex couples. We would have missed Venus Williams winning her first championship at Wimbledon. Founder of Microsoft, Bill Gates, left his position as CEO in 2000. Fun fact, I, to yesterday, had no idea that he wasn't still with the company. <laughs> I just thought he was, uh, he's still making billions and billions of dollars. He must still be with the company. But no, apparently that's been done for uh, 21 years. In spirit, he's with them. Right, exactly. In 2000, uh, the Sydney hosted the Summer Olympics. Australia took home 58 medals, five of which were won by a swimmer named Ian Thorpe. His nickname, Thorpedo. Unbelievable. 2000s, I miss you. Yes. Sony releases the PlayStation 2 gaming console in Japan. Also released... Uh, via Sony was Spyro Year of the Dragon. Sick game. Uh, and it also was the Year of the Dragon, according to the Chinese Zodiac. Also, movies like Unbreakable, The Beach, and Road Trip rolled out across theaters worldwide. In December of 2000, the U.S. Supreme Court rules to end the vote recount in Florida for Bush v. Gore, giving George W. Bush the presidency after a ridiculously long legal battle <laughs> following that election. Uh, this one a bit of a bummer, but uh, a huge world event nonetheless. Cyclone Leon Aline 
formed and devastated countries in South Africa, most specifically Mozambique. The cyclone, tropical storms, and subsequent flooding lasted from February 1st to February 29th, which also makes 2000 a leap year. Tiger Woods becomes the youngest player to win a Grand Slam in golf. And Mexican-American guitarist Carlos Santana takes home eight Grammys, tying the most ever Grammys in one-night records set by Michael Jackson in 1984. They both still hold the record for most Grammys won in a single night. Fun fact, I own, probably still somewhere, the Grammy nominees 2000 CD from that year that Carlos Santana uh, won that. You can just say you have a Carlos Santana CD, it's fine. Well, I also, no, I, I also have that, but I have like, they, they would every year they would release Grammy nominees, 2000, Ooh. and it would just be like the, the main song from everyone, and I have that one. Also, one po- you have a, a pop culture note for me, I have one for you. The first episode of Big Brother airs in the United States. Wee-oo. So those are some of the things that we would have missed out on had Y2K actually been a thing. Another note, this reminded me of when everyone thought the, the world was going to end because of the, the calendars and the, the whatever. Mm, December 21st, 2012, I remember it well. Yeah, and they kept moving the goalposts on it. Or at least some people was like, oh, well, actually, we read it wrong, and it's this day, and oh, it's this day. I feel like Y2K preppers were doing the same thing because the year 2000 was also a leap year. So people, once planes didn't fall out of the sky the focus shifted to february 29th 2000 say well hey maybe they, they won't know how to handle that one which if they figured out the year 2001 didn't make any sense but absolutely that was an issue for some people and also october 10th 2000 was a bit of a problem for some because that was going to be 10 10 0 0 and again some thought that that would be too much for computers to wrap their head around Obviously, this was not a situation that was as well publicized, but I thought it was funny that those who thought the world was going to end on 2000 was like, no, hey, look, my freeze-dried peaches completely (laughs) justified because it's a leap year. So February 29th, 2000, y'all are going to be sleeping with the fishes. My freeze-dried surgery bananas. (laughs) I want to say Y2K didn't really happen. There was some glitches and and some people spent a shit ton of money to prep for it or to solve the problem and to, you know, make their computer code four digits instead of the two. Um, or their checks. Or their checks. You know, they. I mean, I don't know how they could have ever possibly solved crossing out the 19 and just writing a 20. Yeah, but a lot of ink wasted in those days. You know, I didn't have checks then, so... I didn't have to worry about it, and I still don't. I don't know why I was so worried about my parents at the age of 10. <laughs> How will they pay for stuff right. via check? <laughs> <laughs> so there is some concern that Y2K, they won't call it Y2K, but that Y2K will happen again. The thought is that you know we are currently in the year 2021, but when we go from the year 9999 to the year 10,000 that because all the code was changed from two digits to four digits, they did not account for five digits. But I have a sneaking suspicion that it will not matter. Anything we are using today will not be used (laughs) in the year 10,000. And I don't know, I guess, I guess if it is, then I'm wrong. Boo on me. I've probably been dead for 8,000 years. Yes. So <laughs> people will be calling back to this podcast and thinking about how wrong you were. But yes, they, they do have a bit of time, although uh, a kids number of kids won't know how to use podcasts, so I don't have to worry about it. That's fair. Yes. 
uh, a lot of people have already started the preparations by uh, just absolutely destroying the planet so that we won't be around right. by that point anyway. We so, won't be. you know, playing the long game. And I appreciate that. <laughs> so this was Y2K, the event that... Kind of was? Kind of was? Happened, did not happen? Might have been, had a trillion dollars not been spent on it. <laughs> or... But countries that didn't spend a damn thing on it ended up being fine, so probably wouldn't have been a big thing. Yeah. Who's to say, really? Yeah, aside from Mitch in Jamaica. <laughs> do you do you think that maybe he knew that Carlos Santana was going to win eight Grammys, and so he was like, one traffic light for every Grammy, Carlos? Yeah. Oh, he's probably just rocking out to some smooth with Rob Thomas and couldn't be bothered to switch the computers over. Oh, my goodness. He was having too good of a time drag racing. Yes. <laughs> Before we wrap up, we should say that we did do some research on this podcast. Obviously, we've been citing articles. So um, we use The Guardian, Year2000.com, National Geographic, Washington Post, Time Magazine, Associated Press, and the good old Florida Orlando Sentinel. Thank you for listening to our second episode. We really appreciate it. Just like I said at the top of the sh- the top of the show, any download is so appreciated and we're really having a fun time with this and we're really happy to do it. So thank you for supporting us. Yes, and, and to to keep the support <laughs> going again, rate, review, subscribe, all of those fun things that every podcast tells you to. There's a reason they tell you to do it. It's so that our fun little logo can show up on countdown lists and things of that nature. So (laughs) yes, if you want to leave a five-star review, that is fantastic. Uh, If you want to give us a a written review, that is fantastic. Uh, But any (laughs) any little bit of support, whether it's just subscribing or downloading or whatever has been greatly, greatly appreciated. And again, if you have any thoughts on anything we have covered or anything you would like us to cover in the future, you can send them to us via email. At wehadnoideapodcast at gmail.com. And really, if there is anything you would like us to cover in a podcast, let us know. We're very agreeable people. We are. Yeah. We, we <laughs> Honestly, we changed course this week on what we were going to cover. So we nothing if not flexible. <laughs> Thank you so much again. And we will, well, we won't see you. That's weird. But something will happen and there'll be an episode three. <laughs> is that it?